Hello, everybody. I'm glad you're back and listening to Reality Check. I'm your host, Mark Goujon. This week on the show, we will be discussing hate speech versus free speech. It's a very interesting topic, and uh, doing my research, I learned quite a bit about both sides of the argument. Uh, I mean, if we're going to get generic, I think uh, the argument is kind of right versus left. But in general, I think there's good people and good logic on both sides of the argument. So we're going to get started pretty soon, and uh, I'm glad you're listening. So before I get into the nuances of each argument, hate versus pro or pro free speech, I'd like to get my personal opinion out in the open because it's important for me when I follow people in the media or online or in news for me to get where they're coming from. Um, this faux neutrality that many journalists or people in the media uh, pretend to have, essentially, it offends me because we all know people have actual opinions and the vast majority of people uh, are leaning either left or right. I personally am on the right side. Uh, I'm not far right by any means, but when it comes to free speech, I do agree with more of the libertarian slash conservative ideals. I believe that free speech is a right. I believe that it's an essential right for a democracy. I can explain that later, which I will. But in general, I would describe myself as a free speech absolutist, but I do have sympathies towards the hate speech argument. But in my opinion, the hate speech laws are... um, they would be better suited or the issues that the hate speech laws are designed to deal with, in my opinion, would be dealt better by society. I believe society has a bigger role than it currently is being used today. And we depend too much on government and courts and the police to deal with issues when a lot of issues could be dealt with humanely through human interactions. And that's about that. Uh, that's my introduction to where I stand on the uh, on the issue. And now we're going to go into the arguments of pro hate speech laws or pro free speech laws. Thank you. All right. So let's jump into the arguments. We're going to jump into hate speech versus free speech. I'm going to explain the anti or the uh, the pro hate speech laws, and then I'm going to give you my personal opinion on those arguments and maybe counteract it. So, as I stated first in the opening segment, that I was a free speech absolutist. So let's go straight to that, the anti-absolutist argument. That would be no rights are absolutes. Rights must be limited by, by the respect for others and by the needs of a whole society. I found a very interesting quote from a British lord, Bhikkhu Parekh. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Although free speech is an important value, it is not the only one. Human dignity, equality, freedom to live without harassment and intimidation, social harmony, mutual respect, and protection of one's good name and honor are also central to the good life and deserve to be safeguarded. Because these values conflict, either inherently or in particular context, they need to be balanced. 
There are, moreover, many regulations of speech to which no one objects, punishing, for example, commercial fraud, graffiti, or courtroom perjury. Hate speech are no different. I think he makes good points, but this is where I will canter that argument. One, I don't think it's proper to um, compare commercial fraud and and uh, crimes like graffiti or courtroom perjury. One, graffiti is graffitiing someone's personal property. That is more of equivalent of violence. Commercial fraud, commercial, that's a different frame of the world. We're talking about individuals. We're talking about people. And this is my, I would say this is the most important reason of why I do think free speech is the most important especially in a diverse country, even though it might cause some people some pain. That I would prefer to know how people feel about everything. And I know this might make our, our country appear to be more hateful, but in reality, the hate is just being hidden by hate speech laws. If someone's a homophobe, I would prefer that they openly project their homophobia so we know how many people there are that are truly homophobic or anti-Islam or anti-immigrant in just in general, white supremacists, you name it, religious extremists, uh, you know, political extremists, all forms of extremism are hidden from hate speech laws. And to get around hate speech laws, it's simple. All you have to do is change your words. If you want to talk about Jews, use a different word for Jew and you've passed all the laws. It's very easy to get along. And the point is, hate speech laws push hate underground. And I believe that uh, you want to see this out in the open. I mean, there's uh, a saying, sunlight disinfects. And that's what I, I believe happens. If people know that people are speaking hateful, we know we have a society with problems. But if these laws push the hate underground, then there's really no way of telling how many people feel this way. It's always a guessing game. And in, and I'm a data guy, and I want to know the data. So I'd love to know how many people actually feel about this. So that's my counter-argument for the anti-absolutist argument and the argument for the anti-absolutist argument. The second argument I found, which was compelling for pro-hate speech laws, uh, is the hate speech is not an uh, is not a speech. Uh, this is a quote from a US, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. The crudest hate speech is not really speech at all. It is merely the kind of inarticulate grunt that can legitimately be banned because it forms no essential part of any exposition of ideas. And I th again, I think that's a good argument, but I believe that it's a classist argument. And I'll explain why. I touched on my last podcast about how I, uh, I predominantly grew up uh, in poverty. Um, I'm the young, second youngest of five. My parents got separated very young. Um, I'm 33 now going to university, and when I was 19, 20, I actually was going right into the workforce. I was making $12 an hour, working 
very hard uh, for a company cutting trees down. And I that's where I really learned about the working class culture. I mean, I was working class before, but I was working class country. But now I was working class city. And, and it's different. And there's something thing to say about the working class and how they speak. And it is offensive. And I would say it's, and they pride themselves in their offense. And I'll explain why. They pride themselves in the offense of their speech because it's the only way they can, it's the only thing they can control in their lives. They have no money. They have dark futures or no future at all. Uh, often addiction problems. And they come from, uh, to be quite honest, uh, messed up families. And so when you know you come from this subservient class, this oppressed class, uh, you reach for ways to control and to weed out people that are going to try to control you because you feel controlled all the time. And the point of the, uh, the language is to basically figure out who you can trust and who you can't trust. You're not going to trust somebody who gets offended. And that's just the way our culture is. So if, you're, if it's going to sound foreign, that's fine. But when you're in the working class world and you're doing jobs for peanuts on the dollar where you can die, you need to know how you can trust people. You need to show, like we would call them, uh, you know, wussies, we'll call it, to, for better words. And you, you don't want a wussy on the side of when you're cutting trees down and you're out in the bush. It can't happen. And if you're offended by words, you're automatically a wuss. So we don't want you around. And so the point is, when you leave the bubble of working class world and you go into the upper elite areas, I understand it's offensive. People get offended by it. Uh, you can't really stop that. But that's because they're in control of their culture. They're in control. The people who dictate laws, the people that dictate proper speech are the elites. They're the educated. The educated people control language and they use the language to control the oppressed peoples, because if you can't use the words that you're comfortable with speaking, it's very hard to articulate how you feel about certain issues. And if all you have to do is claim this person speaks hate speech, they're a racist because of the language that they use, and you don't have to listen to them again, well, then you can just leave them in their position of oppression forever because they deserve to be there. They're racist and they're stupid and stupid racist people don't need help from the government. So in my opinion, hate speech laws are designed to oppress working class people because it controls their language. And if you control people's language, they have to learn a complete whole new language that they aren't familiar with. And now they have to try to speak in this new elite language that they don't know how to articulate themselves and they're just never going to be able to compete. So now we're getting into two more arguments on the pro-hate speech laws, which in this one I think is the most, I think it's the most important one personally, where it's, a, it's called the direct harm argument. And uh, it's, Basically, hate speech can uh, be used to psychologically harm, just as hate-motivated violence causes physical harm. Children are called, uh, you know, ethnic names, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
not to offend people, but like Packy, Chink, uh, you know, queer, homo, all of these things. They physically hurt kids. And speaking from uh, firsthand experience, uh, I was bullied um, quite a lot when I was a child. And I was mostly bullied for the fact that I was poor and I didn't have a mother in the home. And these things did hurt my feelings quite a bit. And, uh, you know, they were hateful, definitely. And I felt physical physical harm. So I understand that that perspective, I do. So I will criticize that from two points. One, um, hate speech laws come to me off as uh, very interpretive. Essentially, you know, it's it's people, some people say this group is protected and this group, that is a hate speech. That's not a hate speech. But, you know, there's lots of things that are hateful that are not classified as hate speech and do we make all of these things illegal do you make it illegal for someone to be made fun of because they have no mother in the home does it do you make it illegal for someone to make fun of someone else's clothing as it, if it comes from walmart or a giant tiger i mean in some ways i think it's distasteful of course it's distasteful and i think it's immoral but to make it illegal um I would have to say it becomes a very slippery slope again because it's going to be and it's going to go endlessly over and over again what where do we draw the line making fun of mothers skin color religion uh class then what goes in next is it goes in personal identity it's just going to be an endless amounts of rules and my secondary criticism for anyone that says uh words can be violent it would be simply to say that I venture to say that you've never been a victim of actual violence because I've been a victim of both. And to be quite honest, um, I would much prefer to be made fun of for growing up without my mother in the home than to be punched in the face or kicked in the face. And those things have happened to me myself. I grew up in a very rough neighborhood and violence is violence and words are not violence. And anyone that deems, uh, Words can be violent. I, I, again, I repeat myself. I can almost guarantee you've never been a victim of true physical violence because you would never uh, conflate the two because they're, they're grossly different. So I'm going to start wrapping up my podcast here. Um, you know, there's a lot of good arguments, a lot of good arguments on both sides. Um... I really can't say my opinion's been changed too much from this project because I was pretty involved in this topic as is. I had opinions before. Uh, I've learned quite a bit about the opposite sides arguments and they are, uh, in my opinion, based in empathy and overall kindness. And, but on the contrary, I would say that they're based in ignorance and uh, in, in, in many ways elitism. And um, they're kind of unrealistic because, you know, as soon as you make a certain word illegal, why can't people just change the word that they used that means exactly the same way? Uh, it makes me think back to an article I read back in the past about the Cockney English, 
who purposely disguise their language to subvert the language laws of uh, basically Victorian England with its classism. So, I mean, laws take a long time to adapt. Language can take a day. If it's a message board you want to censor and you don't want them to use these words, you can ban those words, but the next day they can just replace the word with a different word. And now they're saying the exact same things. Uh, they're espousing the same thoughts, yet at the same time, they're breaking no laws. So my point is, I, I believe the laws are overall good in nature. Yet again, I think they're unrealistic and in many ways, very classist. Um, these laws are made for or made by uh, people in government, lawyers and such. And these people uh, basically do not associate with the working class people. Uh, they look down on the working class people and they view their culture as inferior and it should be changed. And they believe it's their right to change these people. And, you know, to me, that comes off as a very uh, paternalistic society. Uh, in some ways, it's colonial because you have a more powerful uh, organization or more powerful group trying to enforce their rules on another people. And I would do I do venture to say that the upper class and the lower class are separate groups, even if they are the same race. So I'm looking forward to any criticisms. Again, this one, I experimented with the format a little bit more. I enjoyed making this podcast. I'm enjoying the podcast more than I thought. And uh, I hope everyone has a, a great day. I hope I didn't offend anyone. And if I do, uh, please feel free to criticize. And let's try to collaborate on something that uh, we can make uh, both ourselves happy. Hope everyone has a great day, a great weekend, and God bless.